Hello and welcome to Never Press News, the podcast which will give you an insight into the lives and minds of the most motivated and inspirational people I have the pleasure of knowing. I'm Tony Musgrave and this is Never Press News. Hello and welcome to Never Press News episode 4. Just before we start, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's listened so far to the first three podcasts. Uh, We're way over 200 listeners on the first two and over 100 now for Terry Frank in episode three. I want to introduce my guest today. It's Jack Hughes. Welcome to the podcast. Lower your expectations (laughs) for those listeners. Thanks for having me. It's not going to be like that, mate. Um, So at the beginning of every podcast, I've talked about uh, the people and how I've met them and how they inspire me. The whole point of the podcast is to talk to meet people and just get into the habits and minds of the inspirational things that they've done for me. And hopefully we can share that across. Um, we haven't known each other that long, so I'm really interested in this podcast to get under the skin of the things that you have done, but where we have met, you've been really inspiring. I think you didn't even realize it when we talked about it earlier, you asked me, why did you do these podcasts? The reason I did them, one, obviously I wanted to, but I was kind of worried about what would happen and how I would, progress them and we met in Birmingham we did a bit of work together and you went just crack on mate just get on with it and do it and that was it really I walked away from that thinking yeah I'm doing it simple as that if one person just says it's that easy then how hard can it be yeah you made, you've, you've made me blush I think it was in a group setting I said sort of we were talking about how to get the message out to the company yeah and I simply said well there's an app called Anchor if you want to do a podcast download it record it and distribute it from yeah. what I remember. That is exactly what it was. And and you made it sound so simple. Actually, it's been <laughs> so much work to do. <laughs> Meeting guests, prepping, doing all that. You forgot to tell me yeah, the a iceberg bit. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, matching up diaries and stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's a passion project, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it's been like. Just been such a nice opportunity to get with people. And, you know, turn your phone off for a couple of hours and just have one-on-one conversation. I'm not used to being on this side of it. No, and that was the the bit that I was happy to do here is spin the tables around. So you invited me on your, well, I say you invited me, that's probably uh, not really how it happened. Kind of forced myself onto your podcast. So I remember um, following you on LinkedIn for a little while and the work you was doing with um, resettlement, which we will pick up on a little bit later. Um, for forces leavers I'm thinking wow I wish I'd have had that at the time when I was leaving you know some of the work that you do is is awesome um so I started listening to your podcast and then like in a bit of a uh stalkery way you kind of think you know the person so I just remember sitting in the pub watching uh, Man United Liverpool with my boss having a few beers and I thought I'll just send you a message and see if I can get on and you was like yeah no problem get on yeah I think it's it's, it's an open invite to anyone really doesn't take much out of my day um it's quite a, a simple structure i want to know how you found resettlement or well, not you know i've had a few people who, who haven't been in the forces on it but the the main premise is how did you get on during resettlement why did you leave how did your family take it and if you could do do it again what, what would you do differently my as we'll probably get into my whole thesis really is just keep it simple meat and potatoes advice yeah but that's often the stuff that gets left behind because <laughs> we try and overcomplicate stuff yeah i mean it's a big deal isn't it leaving the forces so people yeah. have tried to make it into something huge but ultimately you've got to get yourself out there get a job put some plan in place in order to yeah. to leave the forces i want to go 
back a little bit and get back into your Navy career and stuff like that. But so before we go into all of that, just maybe a bit of a summary about who you are, what you've been up to and, and where you are now. Yeah, so grew up in North Wales in a place called Llandidno. Um You wouldn't be able to tell by this weird Birkenhead, Cheshire, Scouse, Mank, <laughs> a bit Paul O'Grady accent, but yeah, that's where I grew up. Um, pretty pretty standard, really. Like Pretty boring kid. I was quite good at running, but not like overly good. I think, in hindsight, probably could have pushed a bit more. My parents were never overly pushy, which was good and bad. I probably could have done with a bit, bit of a kick up the arse when I was younger. School-wise, um, just grey, really. Stayed under the, under the radar. Wasn't naughty, but didn't put masses amount, amounts of effort in. You know, one of those kids who just like coast, just, like uh... literally an in-betweener. Wasn't in the cool crowd. Wasn't in, well, didn't get bullied, although I am... I was probably the gingerest bloke in school. <laughs> um, so that, that that gave me a bit of a, a thick skin, I suppose, which obviously needed going into the Navy. Um, my mum and dad split up when I was 12, lived with my dad. You know, shit, but it happens still. Got a great relationship with them both. Um, my mum's partner was her, um, not her son, his son, was then in the Navy at the time when I was like 12, 13, 14. How much older than he was? How old is he? He's about 35, so about six years older than me. Okay. Um, so I could see he was going to New York. You know, he was coming out with all the good stuff. And then I sort of started looking into it, in it and I thought, oh, I want to go in the Marines. That was never going to happen in hindsight. <laughs> One, because I failed the medical, because I'm lanky now, and I was running. You know, I failed the medical because I was underweight because my BMI was too low. So that was the first stumbling block. And I was like, well, I do like the Navy. I just thought I could be in the Marines. In hindsight, I don't think I would have made it. I was too young, too immature, too weak in body and in mind. I say exactly the same. I I say transferred. I I joined the parachute signals in, so I was probably about 22 at the time. Mm. And when I went back there as an instructor years later, there was – the recruits coming through at like 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And I just know for a fact, if I'd have done that then, I'd have failed miserably. Yeah. Like I wasn't robust enough. I didn't even have it upstairs, never mind physically. Yeah. So fair play to the people that, you know, that go in at 17, 18 as a, in what you would regard as these elite forces, the Marines, the Paras, yeah. whatever they are, and, and are robust enough to deal with that. I was a baby. I wouldn't have admitted that at the time, obviously, no, because I was, right. I was only 16, but... Yeah. Um, I thought, well, I still want to be in the forces and I still want to be in the Navy because I, I didn't fancy the army. I thought the raft didn't go anywhere and I'd seen that the Navy, you go around the world. Was there any um, recruiting drives at the time for it? Mm, I remember seeing like vaguely, but nothing massive. Uh, Not that I can remember. There was the, the, the army at the time had that, I don't know if you remember it, that B. Frank, do you remember that? No. So there was like this whole recruiting campaign about this guy called Frank. And I remember talking to Frank. You could be like Frank. Right. Okay. But the video showed him surfing in Hawaii, skiing in Austria, yeah. all of these things that are actually never going to happen. But whoever Frank is, he had a right good tour. But... To be fair, I do like the Navy's new one. You know, I was born in Carlisle. I was, was going to ask you to do that because, at the end of this. <laughs> because that, like, genuinely, as chattered as it sounds, like, I was born in North Wales, 
but like the like without can't uh, say it. I was made in the Royal Navy. Like, <laughs> you can we can clip that. Yeah, that's but, getting sound like done on that. Later. But it's true. Like, I, and fair play to them, whoever cottoned onto that because it. Yeah, I, I love it. it. It's like I, they hit the nail on the head there with a lot of people. I think coming from the towns that I came from or come from, it, yeah, it breaks you away from that. And there's nothing wrong with staying in a small town. It does break you away from that. So yeah. yeah. So joined the navy. Um, drifted for my 18th birthday. In the end, I was just 17 when I joined. I was 18 in basic training. Um, that was fine. Loved it. Um, when I was a, a warfare specialist, I went in as What's which the, basically what, what means does that even mean? You sit um, sit in the in the ops room on a warship and do the radar. Okay. Do a bit of um, upper deck weapons, bit of seamanship bit of a, a jack of all trades really um so did the phase two and then I was still only 18 and we were talking about this before we started recording i remember so the first ship was hms sutherland which was a type 23 frigate and that was in refit in scotland so went up there with all my gear turned up this warship was alongside was like you know scaffolding it was in the middle of work because it's it not long come from, back from deployment and i just remember thinking like everything before doesn't matter like this is like a man's world just made but, it yeah I've got or, a, uh, you know I've got a switch on grown up man's men and women's world like this was and i yeah. remember just thinking going in into that 39 man mess or whatever it was and just thinking so is this on the boat then? Yeah, on the ship so is yeah. there like a barracks that goes at the side wherever no. it's docked up so you so so when the there was before, yeah. so people would have been like um, in like Caledonia or Rossyth, while the, the, well, the majority of the refit work has done, been done. But when I joined, people had just moved back on the ship. So you eat on the ship, you sleep on the ship and all that. Wow. Um, yeah, so straight down the, the 39-man mess. It's 18-year-old, like, kid. And you're just like, I don't think anything can really prepare you for Fresh it. Fresh like, but yeah, in more ways than one. It's just like the the different. I'm sure it's the same in the army. You go from the training environment, which you think is real, but to join like a proper warship and like the smells, the the banter, like you, there's not there's time to adjust, but not really because you're just another like a new, what, like new a, boss. just another cog that and yeah, you've got a role you, to you've do. Got, you've got a role to do, and if, if there's um a bit dramatic but if there's a fire like they haven't got time to like you've, you've done your fire training yeah like you know how to put we're not going to learn it all again so and you, you do to an extent you like you do like ship specific stuff yeah but they you know you're fully expected to know how to don a breathing apparatus and go and attack a fire and go and, and it's sound, like it sounds that dramatic when you say it out loud but that was the that's the norm like no one else is going to do it when you're at sea. yeah i remember a landing in germany after training got there as like it must have been the same like just 18 years old and knocking on that guard room window for the first time yeah. with a shaven head they knew straight away you know young kid arrived yeah. like how can we mess him about now how can we most inconvenience him as he, oh yeah i went knocked on the door and they're like what do you want and it's like oh i'm posted in to this regiment but they're like never heard of your mate just shut the window you're like standing out in the freezing cold thinking please I went and asked the doc for my ME-AT injection 
<laughs> straight away. And you fell for that? Oh, yeah, straight away. Did you use that on other people afterwards? Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. We used to have people charging the glow in the dark lights, um, glow in the dark stickers on the floor. You know, the emergency So they're over, just standing over it with a torch. torch, Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. But that's. I don't think that. Does that still happen? Yeah. You're allowed. Yeah, I reckon so. We used to get the junior officers were the best ones to do it. Yeah. They'd like come straight out of officer school and they'd be there with a torch trying to charge up. And I got, I was like seasick. I was just shit as sailor. For the amount of sea days I did, I, I was not. So I was going to ask that. How does that, how does that work? Like, so it's obviously docked up yeah. and you, you do your daily drills, like what we would regard as camp routine or barrack, barrack routine. What's, what do you do? do in refit. Yeah. So you basically get in the ship to get ready to go Ready for to deployment. Sea. Um, you've obviously got the contractors doing like the metal work and the welding yeah but um, yeah painting the ship getting rid of the rust like cleaning the bastard to death yeah I was going to say the shiniest thing that's ever make sure a clean ship is a happy ship and all that Um, doing drills like firefighting drills Um, can't really do that much in the ops room because you're alongside so there's nothing on the radar Um, yeah making sure all the, the seamanship equipment ready to go so is it like a do they have a set period of downtime then where they come off the water not off the water yeah so i think up. every couple of years they will go into a refit yeah and that will either consist of i think and i could be wrong for any of the anoraks out there i apologize if this is wrong but they'll go into dry dock to get underneath it bring it back out and then like redo the the deck outside yeah. repaint it um because one, one of the things that we talked about in the, the podcast previous with, with Terry was the monotony of barrack routine. It was so, so dull. And then I did three years in Germany. I'd say the units after were a bit more mature, so I spent a bit more quality time doing the things you're supposed to be mm. doing, but it was so, so dull. I think you're always doing your job on a warship. I would say that. So you're kind of doing the thing that you're employed to do. Yeah, I would. Uh, eight, yeah, 80%. Obviously, the war fighting bit is the extra sort of 20% bit. Yeah. But when you're at sea, like you're at sea, you're doing your watches, you know, there's, there's stuff going on. Like, Yeah, it's pretty active. So did you did you go on operational tours then? Yeah, so Sutherland, I'll go through it. Yeah, please. Forget. So joined that in 2008. So the thing is with a warship or being in the Navy that people, some people don't understand and you can correct me. When you're in the army, you go, you do your ramp up, and you go away for six months, and then you come back. And then how long's the gap? Uh, it, it depends really what what you're on, but generally you get stood down for a period of time, go on annual leave, decompress. Yeah. We talked about mental health and yeah, its yeah. lack of etc. But a couple of beers down the pub with the lads and get that out of the way. And then it depends what what whether you're on spearhead or what you're on. But I suppose there is a break. So when you're on a ship. You are on that ship. So when people say, "Oh, I'm being deployed," that is a separate thing. Right. But when you're you're still doing stuff around the UK, right? So Monday to Friday or longer, you will still be either the ship that's doing the next lot of um, navigating officer training. So they need training up. So you're dicking about with them. Yeah. So you're the you know this on a training. Yeah. So at sea for them. You're either on some sort of exercise in Scotland 
or escorting some Russian, like you're at sea all the time, even if it's around the UK. Just around the edge, yeah. You're like, there's a deployment and then there's, you're still at sea afterwards. So don't suppose that's, the, yeah, that's, whereas when you're in the army, RAF, I assume, pretty similar. You're on a base and at yeah. five o'clock when the whistle blows, not literally the, a whistle. When, you know, when the ship is in refit, that does That's happen. how it works. But when that ship is sea ready, you're probably going to be at sea. Wow. So anyway, so yeah, I joined that in 2008. Obviously, it was in refit. Um, I had to go to sea trials, blah, blah, blah. Didn't really, went to like Dublin. Didn't really go anywhere until 2010. And that was to America. So that was a nice jolly. Did like Baltimore, Halifax, Jacksonville. Was um, that like on a specific exercise? Like? I think it was with like, the, yeah, the Ark Royal. Like, so we were like their escort. Came back from then there even again um did sea trials exercises getting ready for the next deployment and i think it was supposed to be through the med uh middle east far east but then libya happened so what, what ended up happening was we were in um in the gordon which is just outside ross which is where the ship was affiliated to we got told to go back to plymouth rearm the ship and then sort of deploy. So straight down through the Bay of Biscay, stopped in Gibraltar, I think, through there, straight to Gibraltar, into the Med. Um, did a bit off the coast of Libya there because HMS Liverpool needed some relief because they got hammered out there. They were out there like constantly through the whole thing. Um, so on the way down, you know, constantly, we were going to be naval gunnery support. So the spotters in the air on the ground, they were going to give us the coordinates and we would, you know, shoot. Fire some, missiles. Uh, yeah, well, the, the big gun at the front. Yeah. Um, so we did that for a bit. Then we went through the Suez Canal, uh, Abu Dhabi, and then we sort of came back on ourselves again to relieve the Liverpool. And that's when we were properly off the coast. Um, yeah, doing... That How was, that was, was that probably long? the only... The close while it was like for a warship that was as operational as you can sort of get six miles off the coast engaging on onto the coast and my job was to be the the liaison between the spotter in the air and um the ops room so we would give me the coordinates i would play that back to the, the captain or the principal warfare officer and he would sort of say fire over i would say fire out and then Bang, bang, it would go off. So, and you did just engage targets that you've been, yeah, just been given, and then walk, walk it on. Um, so went back there. Luckily, I got um, picked for promotion to be a leading seaman gunner. So left that ship in 2011. Did promotion training. So did the job training. Failed my leadership training because I went from straight. There's no excuses. I fucked up. Right. I went, okay. I, went from, I was waiting for like no, a no, list no, no. of reasons. I, I, I went from like doing the job training for weeks, had a weekend, then three weeks leadership course, and I wasn't. I what could was make. It? I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I, I, I went. I shouldn't have gone home. I went home. My I, my kit wasn't ready. My I'd gone from one course into the other. Um. But what ended up happening was I got. I failed that. And then they're like, well, we've, we've got this guy who's qualified and he should, like, if everything went all right, he'd be you'd getting be his, a, be getting his rate. Yeah. Um, 
and I already had a ship assigned and they were like, what are we going to do with him? So there's a thing called P-Squadron, um, which does anti-piracy. So they sent me up to Scotland to do that. Um, and then more or less within a couple of weeks, I was on a, a six-month deployment on an RFA, a RFA wave ruler on like a small unit of um, people who were looking after that ship, doing anti-piracy stuff. So, um, so we, yeah, which, again... What does, that, what does that entail then, anti-piracy stuff? Um, watches really standing on the just, other deck in the sun just in case just whereabouts was this uh, again in the Middle East in the Middle so East straight to Hormuz and yeah. uh, the Red, Red Sea and off the coast of yeah I know a few like. guys who got involved in it after they left the forces and went into That's Antipari the was, there yeah. was a lot of money involved at the time if you'd have took security work I mean the market got flooded I suppose I don't know a great deal about it certainly after I left the army, it weren't really something that it was something I thought about doing, but didn't really have the expertise to be fair. And the whole point of leaving was to spend time with a family. The attraction was there with the with, with the money. Was those types of jobs available for you guys as well? So that, that was the dream when I left, but it soon became apparent that one, the market was saturated; two, the amount of qualifications you needed were a fortune. And there was just these companies sprouting up who were promising well, in the world and yeah. were delivering. And again, you know, I I had to realise that well, I might as well just stay in the Navy if I'm going to do that. Well, that was a... Uh, we was in Afghanistan in 2006 mm. and a guy came through into our camp and I was like, oh, they must have brought such and such a unit here. But it weren't. He was out. He was in the exact same place. Yeah. So he just got deployed to... He's probably on a fair amount of money more than I was, but... Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he just got deployed back to the same place. But I think that, maybe being a bit presumptuous, but I had the security of it being with the, the army. Yeah. They were private contractors and that was their job and yeah. they weren't the security that went with it. So, so never yeah. really appealed. I um, did, that, did that deployment, got back on leadership. So, so I went in the June or July, came back in December, had a week off. And went back up to Scotland doing a load of other stuff. So six months, a week off. I think that's plenty. Yeah. Then two weeks away. Then back for Christmas leave. And then did my leadership again past that. And then I was drafted to HMS Protector, which is the Antarctic patrol ship. Wow. So as a gunner, it's a really good draft to get your own cabin. Yeah. Or shared cabin, own like bathroom. Um and my so what's, job, your, yeah. what's your role then out yeah. there? Sort of becomes redundant. I was going to say that. That's certain, not a... After you go below a certain line. So I just, I was, my job was to, I wasn't very really good at it, was to drive like the scientists ashore on a little landing craft, um, oh, wow. dodging icebergs. And then when we came back above, and then we did the west coast of Africa because we were traveling that way. That's when it becomes a bit more... The, 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 the pirates had moved from one side to the other, so the risk was slightly higher. And because it wasn't a grey ship, it's red and white. Yeah, the risk, you know, we had to be a bit more careful. Pick a bit more careful. And that's where I did. You encounter any? No, not on piracy. That ship, no, no. Uh, we got burst the... a few times on the on the um, wave ruler. Um, yeah, that was cool. So, how long did you serve in total? Just shy of seven years. For anyone who checks. It was like six years and nine months. Yeah, mine's like 11 years and 11 months. Yeah, so, and I don't tell anyone it's 12 years because they'll get picked oh, yeah. up on that. So. so April 2008 until 
January 2015. So you, you, I left in 2008, so you're seven years later. I'm really intrigued to see what had changed over that period mm. for forces in terms of resettlement because I was saying last week that the resettlement for me was was good, but I resettled in something and then never went into it. So you've made this decision to leave the forces after quite a considerable amount of time. Someone actually texted me last night and said they took the easy option to stay in, getting out would have been the hard one. And I don't know whether that's true or not. Maybe grass is always greener, but it's not an easy decision to leave the forces, especially after after a couple of years maybe. But once you're pushing five, seven, ten years, that's a serious amount of yeah. institute being institutionalised. So saw, why did you uh, want to leave? A number of reasons, really. I it, the goal always was thirty done, young enough to start again. Yeah, like that was always the plan. And then I was on the protector, like I said, good draft. Three months on, a month off, but you're still away nine months of the year. Um, Did you? Was you with your partner now? Yeah, yeah. Then. So I was with yeah, she was my girlfriend then, now wife. Um, and to be clear, she wasn't happy. But no. like because it was she didn't have any warning. I think I mentioned it. And one, we I interviewed her for my podcast, and she told me a few home truths. Um, <laughs> what just on that? Yeah. So Carly said to me, out of all of this, out of all the inspirational people, you've not chosen me, and I feel a bit shady not having her on. And she said, it's like, good for the ratings, mate. Is it? <laughs> it's good yeah. For the listens. So I think that's what will happen. She's going to end up number thirteen, and I'm getting grilled on that one. Yeah. So. so um. Yeah, so I was on the protector and I, I knew that I was going to go back on a grey wolf fighting 39-man mess ship. And I'm not afraid to say, I just thought, no, I, I don't I don't want to go back to that. After being, like, I'd been on a proper warship, I'd, I'd ticked that box. Operationally, couldn't really do much more, you know, because of the, the Libya stuff. I'd done the anti-piracy stuff on the RFAs and I'd been to the Antarctic, been to the Caribbean, been down, you know, Ghana, South Traveled. Africa, South America. Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to end up doing the same trips again. It's, it, the whole cycle starts again, doesn't yeah, yeah. it? And I think that was one of the things for me when I was leaving the army. I'd, I'd mentioned before, barrack routine versus operational routine, completely different. And it's such a contrast from each other. It makes you wonder who's making the rules up, you know, and one and the other. But the, the next bit to that is, we got back from Afghanistan 2006. I went on a pretty cushy role then at a training unit for a couple of years and then got a call, got told I would be there for two years and after 18 months got called back to go back to Afghanistan. Yeah. And having that conversation with Carly at the time was just going to be, not just because of her, obviously, but it was just kind of like, I'm a bit done with this. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I like, just felt... I'm sure there was people around me I probably would have thought the same thing in that position that they thought I was leaving because of Naomi. They never told me, but I, you know, I, if I was in their position, I probably would have would thought do. the same thing. But she was the opposite. She was like, "What are you actually going to do?" Like, I'd done it, and I because I, I was at sea when I like, get, get, didn't really give her any warning. I just thought, "Right, I'm doing it." Well, it's funny. It's not exactly the same, but I just got returned to unit from the training unit to go back to. Afghanistan, got back to Colchester, told them I'm going to leave now and then just went home and told Carly exactly the same. And she was like, what? Yeah. What, you've just 
because you just made that decision now. Yeah. No consultation with her whatsoever. But I also felt at the time that it was my decision to make, and not in a selfish way, but like the, most of the investment that had been in there for me was before Carly. Yeah. So that whole, I thought this was going to make it better. Yeah, yeah. So I just made that decision for us. Should probably consult with her more. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's been a bit of advice I've had over the last think, few podcasts. I think, although in my mind at the time, I would have said this is selfless, it was, yeah, it was a pretty selfish one. Yeah. It's worked out, I think. Well, it, yeah, it works like, out. At the time, like, she didn't really have to say. Um, yeah. So what did you do for resettlement? So... Going back to the anti-piracy thing, that was the first plan. I'm going to earn £300 a day. Yeah, I love that. Like, I'm a, I'm a kill-it gunner in the Navy. I do it anyway. I just transfer it over. Like, in, in my, like, it's pretty, mind, like, it's just, you just go from one type of ship. No, it doesn't work like that. You need all sorts of qualifications. It's really hard to get into. And, you know, Naomi just sat me down and said, do you actually want to go back to sea? And I was like, well, no, not really. So then I went to this careers fair in Bristol. And you'll never hear me talking about the CTP, just to make it clear. I didn't, I'm not, I, I don't, I haven't got an opinion on them really, but I didn't go to the careers transition workshop. Yeah. I didn't take advantage of that, rightly or wrongly. So what was your reason for that? Because there's obviously, um, you get given these things. And I, I said, I've said before, and I don't for want to repeat myself, but they seemed a little bit tick box. Like, go and write a CV. You know, I felt like we were going through the motion of stuff, but actually I didn't feel any more prepared when I, when I came out of, the, um, out of those workshops. Yeah. So, so why did you choose not to do these? So I went to this careers fair, and there was a company called FDM. Yeah. And they, it was quite early They do on. a lot of forces leaver stuff. Yeah, so I've, this, I've seen them all over social media. So this is 2014, so quite early on-ish. Um, and they, you know, they told me about project management and, you know, it's all about getting the right people to do the right thing. And if you're a, a leading seaman in the Navy, you know, you, you've naturally got those skills. We just like hone you and transfer those skills and formalize those skills. And I thought, oh, all right, I'll do a bit of that. Took this flyer home. Didn't really think anything of it, and I just thought, why not have a go? Went to went to an insight evening, and the insight evenings aren't what they are now, like they're big events. This was me and this other bloke around the table talking about their X Forces program. Went and did a test, like maths, English, you know, like usual stuff, and an interview. The interview definitely got me through it because my maths is terrible. <laughs> um, and I this was when I was on leave, so I was going back to the protector. I only left the protector in the September and left the Navy in January. So you're still at sea still for the, ma- sea. the majority of your resettlement. Yeah. Trying, yeah. But anyway, that's a, Is it a year as well for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same. So when you sign off, you've got like 12 month period until you, until you actually leave. They do that on purpose, right? <laughs> was, I think they say we do this so that you've got ample time to prepare. Not when I you're think, down the Antarctic. With yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, after lads did, their resettlement, most of their last 12 months was six months were on tour in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when you think about six months, it's a really short period of time. Yeah. But I still think they give 12 months on purpose so that we can change our mind because yeah. you shit your pants after about eight months. Did yeah. you have any, during that resettlement period, do you have any wobbles? Not really because I knew this FDM stuff was, was going to go through. Um, 
So I did ended up doing 12 weeks in Manchester there. Um, ended up doing like the full graduate scheme. It was me and another lad from the army on it, which was looking back now, not in a good headspace, like on my own in Manchester, Monday to Friday in like the worst, like not even a bed set. <laughs> All right. And yeah. On, yeah, on my own. When you, when you got loads of time on your own, and I was struggling with the content, learning about like SQL and quite advanced Excel, all this language that I'd never heard before. Um, yeah, when I look back on it now, that was probably not my finest hour in terms of just mindset because I was just on my own. What did that do? Like, was it giving you thoughts that you would go back to what you knew or? Was it just a dark place of realisation that... Yeah, I think it was just a realisation that a few months ago, like, I was in Cape Town with my mates. Why why, why wouldn't I... Yeah, why, what stopped me from going back going and back. doing that? But at the back in my mind, I always knew that it was going to... I just had this sort of blind faith that it was all going to be all right, but it was hard. Um, yeah, but, oh, so the, the CTW stuff, in my mind... I used to, I'm still on to an extent very binary in terms of well FDM are going to sort my CV out they're going to get me into a into a, and they did like, I thought they were there they're, they're yeah, going to get that's me what they're, there for, they're going to place me into a into a company the CV that they um, critique well they know it because they've got account managers whose job it is to get me and to sell me into this industry why am I going to waste um, time going all the way to Plymouth from North Wales to do a two-day workshop. And I'm not to, that's not to say I was right, but in my mind, the FDM thing sort of... I was going to do that anyway. Yeah, I was going to go through when, it. Anyway. Um, when I did mine, I've got a couple of funny little stories about it. Like I went on mine and I was in the signals, like, and then obviously I did airborne signals. So I wouldn't say I was super intelligent, but I had the ability to put together a CV and I sort of thought what what would go in there and what it was and so i'd laid it all out you have to build this cv and then take it and then they critique it mm. and so on and the the first one that they put up on the screen there was like right okay anyone see anything that they think could be improved on this and the email address was like death from above dot at hotmail.com and then the next one was like baboons are 69 at yahoo.com yeah. and you're like I'm not sure as an employee, but in the army, that was like decent banter. Like if you're the, the more gory, you could make your email address the yeah, better. Yeah. But then when you're getting out, like you have to really tone those things down. Did you, did you have to, um, I was starting from scratch. So no, not really. Like it's, it's interesting because I think there's a sort of this gray area with people, even the forces you like the people who have, done you know 22 years plus they've got um they, they get a lot of support as they should you've got the people who just do like four years i say just do but you know what i mean who yeah do, through, do a who, short time who do four years and they're still like they've done their growing up but they're still switched off on enough to know you can't get away with that sort of email yeah but then you've got the people who like do eight to twelve years and it's like this grey area of they've done all that maturing in the forces, yeah, and they're still young enough to start again, 
but they just don't know what they want to do or what they're good at. Yeah. And I think more focus probably needs to be on, instead of being very generic, what are you good at? What, are you, what do you enjoy? And let's go after that. Honestly, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got given was by a guy called Nick Hook. He was the OC at P Company when I was there. So he was like the boss. And when I told him I was leaving, that was the exact advice he gave me. And he just said to me, what are you going to do? And I, I was like, well, I've got like driving licenses. I'll go and do this. Got a European driver, yeah, computer driving license. Exactly. I'll do whatever, you know, I'm not bothered. It's just about work. Yeah. And he said to me, just think about what this is like. You're going to go and do this for like, you know, a large portion of your life. Yeah. Find something you're good at. Find something you enjoy doing. I didn't do either of those, by the way. <laughs> not straight away anyway. But those bits of advice, I, they were there were awesome bits of advice, but because I like dug my heels in, that's it. I'm leaving, yeah. spat my dummy out a little bit. I just kind of was right. I'll prove you all wrong. I'm going to go. Yeah. And they, they, you know, the, the CTP do some fantastic work. And I think a lot of people probably have been in the forces who work there, but the feedback that I get, I never see it. Not, not that I get, sorry, the feedback that I see about it. I never see anyone, doing anything with it. Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's obviously something wrong or not, or and this is why I go right. back to it being a little bit of a tick box exercise for me that they've got to provide you with this service. Yeah. And Terry said on the last one, he wishes someone had just said, this is what the market's doing at this moment mm. in time. This is where there's job opportunities. Whereas when you walk into those career transition or the, the seminars or whatever and everyone's handing these flyers out again they're all going to get paid for that as well yeah. so they give you all these glossy brochures about what you're going to do and you think the world's your oyster and I was like right that one looks good gym instructor get me in on that wear my trainers all day like I said on the last one never even used it what a waste of like four yeah. or five grand and I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I didn't do it but I just see the feedback about certain things and I think this must be, you must see this. Someone must be reading this every week. Yeah. Like, what are you actually doing about it? Because the message, if you are doing the right thing, isn't landing. Because there's not negativity, but there's a lot of, you know, feedback that needs to be. Yeah, but they're just not doing anything with it, are they? No. So you've made the decision to leave. You've done resettlement. Yeah. You, what, what's next then? So the deal was to do two years on site with a client to repay for the, the training they give you. <laughs> to say thank you. Yeah. Um, so that was two two years in Lloyd's in Bristol. So we, again, I uprooted Naomi to Bristol. I didn't force her. She came. But it was very last minute. So we moved in the May. We were getting married in the September. And she was finishing university that year as well. So nice one, Jack. Yeah, well done, mate. And she was in uni in Bangor, so North Wales. And we were moving to Bristol. So, yeah. That would have gone down. <laughs> Again, selfless. Yeah, self, selfless. <laughs> Selfish, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I moved to Bristol. It was like a junior sort of project management role. Didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I knew that there was um, a lot of waste being had in some of their, their processes. So, I think like most ex-forces people, you can have quite a positive impact quite quickly because you recognize these things. And you've got a level of confidence as well, I suppose. Yeah. Is that... Was that- um, to an extent, I, I used to, how old was I? So 20, 24, nearly 25. Arrogantly, I used to get wound up when people thought I was a grad. Right. Well, I was like, I'm not a fucking I'm grad. I'm not a grad. Like, I've served in the Navy. Yeah, yeah. I'm this, I'm I was, I've been to war. It was stupid, really. But like, 
that that was my mindset at the time. And I think everyone goes through a degree of that. But anyway, yeah, two years there, like a junior project management role. Um, got married and then found out about this thing called Scrum. Oh, this makes sense. I've been doing this for years. It's common sense. And I like common sense. I like things that make sense to me. Um, then found out about agility and agile. And as my two years was coming to an end there, it became very clear that I probably could have, you know, um, got a permanent job there, but I didn't, didn't really want to stay in that environment. I wanted to be a scrum master. So we had found, just started applying for those sorts of jobs, got them, got one, um, then went on to another scrum master job and then wanted to be in control of my own development, be my own boss, started, started really understanding how I learn. So podcast self-development, um, through like the agile community and then thought, right, let's just, let's just have a go. Let's just be a contractor. I think that's been the message that I've got from you throughout the, the short period we've known you. I say we, cause you're working with us as an organization as well, but just have a go at it and see what happens. And yeah. genuinely when I started, sat down, <laughs> so I broke my finger playing rugby a few months back I think I was still buzzing off the anaesthetic when I got on. So I thought the only way that this is going to work is if I post it. Yeah. Now I've got to live up to what I've said. Yeah. So I literally set up a Instagram account and posted from it straight away and said, I'd just like to announce this new podcast. <laughs> I've not put any other thought into it, yeah, other yeah. than obviously at really top level what I wanted to do with it. Yeah. But that whole, you know, just go for it. But I think Scrum... The way that, you know, I've posted a few things actually about start before you're ready and that's a bit of advice I think that I would give to anyone. Yeah. Like, what even is ready? Shoot and, their name. And then, and then how long do we have to wait for until we are ready? So stop, let's just have a go at it. Yeah, and I think um, I was posting content on LinkedIn from probably about 2017 and then somehow thought it was a good idea to self-publish a book about resettlement again. I that, I, but again, I, like people say, oh, like you, and I mean this, I do it because I can. There's no strategy to it. I think of something in my brain. I put it in my notes. I go, yeah, that'll do. And I post it. There's no like, and that's what all the book was really. And so it, you, yeah. You, you left the army. You've gone through your own resettlement. Did you did you identify something that said I should help other people? Because the, the reason I asked that when when I was leaving, like I was totally focused on myself and my family, what I was going to do for mm. them, and then I kind of like got churned out the other side of now I'm a civilian, yeah. and I genuinely one of the reasons that I was attracted to the whole resettlement thing that you're doing is I wish I'd have thought of it myself because giving something back to all of them. And I know there's a lad, John Stevenson, he was on your last podcast. Yeah. Is it John Stevenson? Yeah. yeah. So he was Royal Signal as well. Don't know him, but I know of him. He's kind of done that himself straight away as well. And I, I wish I'd have done it. I wish I'd have helped some people. And that was one of the reasons for getting on your pod. What What was it at the time that said, other than I can, but something yeah. must have resonated with you and you thought, I could pass some of this on? I think it was... With the it was the experience of going from being a gunner in the Navy to the corporate world, me sat in Lloyd's in Bristol, not really 
having massive amounts of imposter syndrome. And I just started writing this blog post about, you know, um, you, you're going to be okay. So someone, you know, Marcus Aurelius meditations. Yeah, yeah. And that's like him journaling to himself. Just, Mine's like a Primark version the, of that. Yeah, the diet like, version. Like the, We've got diet, not Primark. Like, I'm, I'm not comparing myself to Marcus Aurelius, but that's the only way I can get it across. It's just me posting to myself most of the time. And then I think it was like one one post, I got a few likes, and I just like like I said before, it's just meat and potato stuff. Like there's no there's no um, there's no end game to it. If I can't think of something to say, I just won't say anything. Just don't say anything. No, like, but that's not a bad strategy um, for life, I think. But then it sort of just picked up. Really, started writing it. Naomi read it, and she thought, "Well, how much does it cost to self-publish?" I went, "Well, well, nothing really." She went, "Well, your goal is not to make money." I went, well, no. And um, you go, I literally went, how do you self-publish a book in Google? Followed the steps in Amazon. Got like a voucher code for um, a, some, some, a, a website called Design Crowd where you post your project on and say, this is what I want, this is what it's for. And some freelancers give you options. So that cover will do. Did it. I'm, it's not perfect. Naomi was the editor. She like read it about six times and gave me, she's a teacher, so gave me the old like red pen. I changed it. I published it. I think, you know, not not that it's about money, but I've never had like, it's nine pence a book. Oh, so it's for sale? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Is so, it? But I get like nine, like, I don't even get it, but there's a, there's a pot of nine pences somewhere. And once I hit a hundred pounds worth of nine pences, I will get a royalty check so it's you know but if it's not about money that's all i mean the, the transition from the military to civilian life is difficult enough mm. and linkedin uh, even when i was on your podcast linkedin didn't exist in a way it's a different beast now isn't it? it's massive now isn't it every you see everyone like get your network up do this they're the advice i gave on on your podcast get everyone's a network a going coach. get say again everyone's a linkedin, a LinkedIn coach, coach yeah linkedin psychologist yeah. on instagram psychologist yeah. but i think like that whole networking's available now wasn't available in 2008 or i certainly didn't look for it what i think you've done which i, I absolutely love is you've raised this awareness for forces that you can just do whatever it is that you want to do and just do or it at least try like if I'm being brutally honest, did I release that book about three years too early? Probably. But that, I think that just, like it was never, it was just about. So why do you think you released it too early? Just because. Because I had about 200 people connections on LinkedIn. So now your following's much higher. You do. Yeah, yeah arguably. Yeah. And like it probably would have had more awareness and like it would have helped more people. But it was. It's hard. I, I did it because I could, and it's out there. I love that attitude. You know, someone wrote on Amazon, like, you've got to laugh, and said, anyone who needs help with resettlement is a potato. <laughs> well, you did say it was me and potato. I, I, I was like, right, fair enough. And I just said, you know, I replied and said, if, if, Thank you if, for your if, feedback. if that's the truth, I'm representing all the potatoes out there. <laughs> and, I, you know... It's not a long book, like it's about 80 something pages. The font's probably too big. But the messages that say this has really helped me out because it is so simple. 
it's like two pounds seventy five as the price of a Starbucks. Yeah, you, you know, you ditch it afterwards. Like it's there, like the podcast. Well, you listen to it. You don't like. I'm not. It's not part of any um, higher did, strategy. So, did you ever have any thoughts of going back into the navy once you'd crossed that barrier into civilian world? No, I thought about joining the reserves because it was on my doorstep in Bristol. Yeah, but. I think I sent a few emails and people said they were going to get back to me and they never did. So I, don't know if that I think maybe they read through all your reports. Yeah, and went, oh, I don't know if that says more job. about me than it's, them. It's a good job he's left. <laughs> yeah. We're better off without yeah. him. And he got C6, so it was shit. Yeah, exactly. The, um, so you, you've, you've wrote a book and then the, the, where I first heard about you was um, on LinkedIn and, and the podcast. So then you start the Everyday Agile podcast. Yeah. Where, so origin- Where was this born from and what was it all about? So originally it was called, like, very original, the Jack Hughes podcast. Oh, I didn't remember the first few yeah. were, yeah. And the first one is, like, the first couple are horrendous. But I refuse to delete them because it's all, like, the curve. The of, curve of learning. Um, like, I think the first one's with, with some PT and the, I, I forgot to stop the music and you can, like, I'm talking for about two minutes and you can't really hear us. And then I was like, shit. So I was, it down. There, there was some... Uh, website when i first started doing the uh like prepping for the podcast and it gives you all these hints and yeah. tips there was things i'd never thought of things like that microphone not plugged in yeah. last week me and terry recorded for an entire hour and when i looked at it and i tried to stop it it lost it like i nearly broke down and cried but i think these are the things you have to go through when you're doing it in that trial and error way like self self-taught self-learning yeah it's uh, a, there's something in that isn't there like, there's been like some like you know as well as yourself about Brad Burton on there. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. He, he's labelled himself as the UK's number one motivational speaker from Manchester. Okay. I've had Jordan Wiley on. Yeah, well, Jordan, um, I contacted. I've had a conversation with Jordan over the last couple so of weeks, and um, he's out running some crazy marathon. But he won't. We've, we think he'll get one in season two. And that was the sort of goal to go after those sort of people. But I reflected and I was like, they're great. They're doing fantastic work, but they've already got the exposure. I want to talk to people yeah. who are like actually going through it. Not that they haven't, but do you know what I mean? Like the every man. Yeah. Like he's running across well, Afghanistan and Iraq, like doing yeah. marathons. I want to talk to the people who were like me sitting in Manchester, like not knowing how yeah. I, I no, it. that is summer. And, and when I sat down with Carly and talked about what it was we were trying to d- deliver, I say we, because she's like the number one fan and right. gives me all of the feedback, good yeah. and bad, was she said all along two things. Don't lose sight of the audience in the and, and obviously the person you're with, what you're trying to achieve. So we were chatting earlier, relatable people who have got, who have inspired me. Yeah. And Jordan Wiley, He's amazing at what he does, but I've never met him, so he's not. He doesn't fall into that bracket. Yeah, I just started going on a rampage to start with, like typing like anything in, looking for people you could get yeah. hold of. And you know, a hundred, uh, sorry, two out of those hundred people will say yes. But now I've sort of shifted to the every man and woman. Does that make sense? That, yeah, that? it does because. I was saying to you before when I was listening to a podcast before Christmas, Ashley Graham with Kim Kardashian. And although there's some great advice in there and there's things that you can can relate to bits of it, I can't really relate to their entire lifestyle 
and the whole point of this is that people are on here that yeah. can relate to who are going through the same struggles that yeah. and everybody I be, else I don't, is. I don't mean every man and woman by the, you know, they're just average. I just mean people who I can sit at home or people my friendship group can sit and go, yeah, I went through that. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting at. I don't yeah. mean, you know. No. So you, you set up the, the, the podcast. Mm. You've done a couple bad ones, good <laughs> ones. Where is that now? Is that still full flow? As and when. Because it was really regular at the beginning, yeah, weren't I, it? because I just went hell for leather on it. What I, the mistake I made was I released an episode every week. So I had like five backed up. What I probably should have done is release one every two weeks or every month. <laughs> it's the exact same thing I'm feeling because now. Because you run out of people. Yeah, and, I run out of time and people. Yeah, yeah. and then trying to match up people's diaries and then... Um, laziness to an extent but now I just sort of I ask people and they I say I'm very flexible I will work around you they don't get back to me I'm not gonna go and like chase them because they would want to talk it's not it's not from I'm not doing it for my own benefit I'm doing it for, for, for them to promote what they're doing or for them to, to share their knowledge so I was pretty consistent up until before Christmas done one with John a couple of weeks ago I think when, when, when I'm scrolling on LinkedIn if someone like spikes my interest I'll just I'll just message them and like what, I said if they it, get back to me they get back to me if they I've started that attitude if there's some, there was somebody on there the other day who I, I was reading something she'd done I was like oh, I'm going to message her and see yeah, if she'll yeah. come on the podcast she agreed straight away look yeah. at her and many that I've said no yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is so in its infancy they can't decline it yeah, yeah. so uh, so it's um, I'm not blase about it but I'm not going to yeah, people don't want to come on. You know. So for people out there, don't want to make it out like it, oh, everyone needs to start a podcast. But yeah. one of the things you said to me when about just do it, just, just crack on, mate, just get on with it and, and, and do it. It we, There was no competition there. And I felt quite, it was quite a nice conversation to have when you're having it with someone who you're not competing with. They're just like, go out there. Yeah. So... I think there's room out there for everyone to be doing whatever they want. The thing is, you, I would rather help helping someone out. One makes me feel really good. And if it makes them, I would rather help them build themselves up than like try and burn them down. I suppose. Um, it's, it's, it's a passion project. I think more people like should be doing it to, to help each other out because not everyone is going to like me, not everyone's going to like you, not everyone's going to want to talk to me, not everyone's going to be able to relate, you know. And if ten people have a podcast or post content and only ten people read it, that's ten people that relate to you. That I might be saying the same thing, but in a but different, in a different way. Yeah. Um, he, you know, someone asked me the other week, oh, I'm thinking about starting this podcast and interviewing veterans. And I was like, oh yeah, go for it. Awesome, but, then, yeah. but then he didn't realise that I'd already had it, already done it. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I don't, if you yeah. want to do it, like, I, I'm not going to, you, know, you can get some traction and yeah. do it. And One of the things for me was this, was I was I was concerned that there, was there another was there a place in the market for another X versus mm. X forces person talking inspirational stuff? Yeah. Cause there's enough of them out there and they? they're all over LinkedIn and fair play to them all. Yeah. 
for whatever they do. And that's why I changed it up because I, I'm certainly not a psychologist in any way. And I'm not here to give any advice to anyone. No. And if they want to take whatever's in it, then, then they can do that. The point is just to get people on who are going through these things that can hopefully inspire other people to just grab all of the things they want. And one of the things I put on uh, your promo and various other promos is that the people who I'm talking to, it appears on the outside that they don't have any fear because they just go and do it. You mentioned imposter syndrome earlier as oh, well. I am in the constant light. So um, how do you deal with that? Because you, you're putting yourself out there, right, on social media. The, yeah. the potential is there to fail and, f- and fail in front of everyone as well on those types of platforms. Mm-hmm. You, I've got so much to talk about that social media. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. like It's just lit me up all of a sudden. But the, So you put a post on the other day of your PC balanced on a cat stand and it oh, yeah. went and it went mental. Yeah. But then you, not you, but then some people can post some and no one, I feel like no one pays any which interest Which is actually to trying it, to add value. Which is value stuff. Um, I think LinkedIn is a different beast than it used to be. Like, yeah. People say, you know, this isn't Facebook, but the platform will be what people make it. Yeah. Um, is it frustrating when you're trying to add value to either like, the work community or the resettlement community and it doesn't get as much engagement as your, your dog's dinner, it is frustrating, but I've got no control over that. Yeah. There's something you said earlier as well, like controlling the things that you can control. So stoicism, I found that to be really helpful. Yeah. So the, the philosophy of, philosophy of like control what you can control, more or less forget the rest. Focus on what, what is in your sphere of influence um that stood me in good stead so what the the bit i was talking about before about the the no fear stuff mm. what where i do um you just got so you, to me you don't look like you're worried on the outside right whereas when i and when i was sitting at home with this podcast in front of me thinking what we're going to do i was mm. absolutely bricking it in case it went wrong you've don't know whether that's me obviously just looking at you from the, from the outside but you seem to have this no fear attitude of how you're going to approach these things I think it's the Navy definitely the Navy in terms of the banter and but also I think and this isn't aimed at you this is just aimed at whoever's in front of me people don't worry about you as much as you think they do yeah like then people will look at something of mine and go he's a bit of a knob and then go yeah right and then, 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 then forget about and it and then worry but about so, there's something else is posted straight after and anyway then worry it? about their own their like, own stuff their own stuff and I, I just try and like make it a bit if someone like comments or leaves a bad review or whatever I just picture them and this is just my coping mechanism I just picture them in their shit-stained boxes in the home's basement. <laughs> just sitting there. Sitting on the phone. Looking for someone Whether to Whether that's healthy or not, <laughs> I, I don't know, but that's how I imagine, you know, that, that scenario, and that's how I get over it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like the, the weirdest coping mechanism I've ever heard. But yeah, and, and the fact that none of it really matters, and I am not going to appeal to everyone in the way I conduct my, my posts, my business, but I'm not after everyone. I can't cope with, like, I wouldn't be able to 
I'm not after the, the, the whole market of my niche. I'm after the people who relate to me. And that's not going to be everyone because it's not going to be everyone to everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I do, one, I do no think one can relate to everyone. There's a lot of fear out there, isn't there? The social media platform puts you, you're exposed and the, 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 the chances of failure are high. I was chatting earlier to you and I've spoken to a few people recently about it. It's, it's, it's still not frustrating, but I still can't comprehend how we can share these shit posts around Facebook, myself included. But when somebody's got value in trying to do these things, yeah. people take a step back and these, whether there's early adopters, some of my friends are share. They don't even care if this is the worst podcast in the world. They're sharing it because they're supporting me. Yeah, yeah. There's people that stand off, off that stuff. I think you've just got to not let it deter you because if one person sees it and it helps them, they might not even let you know, but that, that you know, that's fine. Yeah, I I completely agree. I, one of the things with a podcast, I said to Carly, oh, if I get ten people that listen or twenty people, that's yeah. going to be amazing. The first one, there was like a hundred. I nearly fainted in the front room. I was like, wow. I, oh yeah, like, you, you were the most popular guest so far, by the way. Was that? Yeah. Oh wow, thank you. you very have much. a lot of friends. Love Fuck it. me, I didn't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you let me stand in front of the mic. Well, thank you to everyone that listened to the other podcast. Yeah. The most popular guest so far. Yeah, I think I absolutely plugged it to death. Um, but yeah, it's you. So you've done the podcast. You started doing some vlogging recently. I've seen today. Quite, yeah, well, we've done one. We've done today. one earlier. Just um, experimenting for this two. So days. what's all that about? So I I, I realised that I'm not the written post. You know, I'm I can do that. But again, I po- I think of it. I put it in my notes. I put it through the shit test of. Would I read that? Yes or no? Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong. But for the, and they're not all going to be gold. I've got six hundred notes on my phone, bits of content that I can't. I have to understand that not all of them are going to be great. Do you, uh, we were saying um, earlier, do you, what's your, your your strategy for for pushing this content out? Because you, one of the things you said you've done, and social media massively intrigues me. But yeah. you said you you veered off what your You'd set yourself some yeah, personal yeah. rules with social media yeah. and you slightly veered off them. So I'll go back to the video in a minute. But yeah, so I was just getting caught up and commenting on stuff that was nothing to do with me, like sticking up for people I didn't even know, <laughs> commenting on stuff. And I was just like, it was getting me down a bit. I was like, this isn't what you set out to do. You know, you have these this framework of three posts per day either one resettlement, one agile focused or one of what, either way, two posts on my personal thing and then one on the business page. Concentrate on the actual work in between because LinkedIn is like, it's fake. Like it's just a fake environment. That, that's not... It, it can be time consuming. Though, yeah, it's time it? consuming. You're not actually doing the work on there. You've got a set time to reply to any messages. Um, don't get Don't talk about things that I don't know because I don't like guessing. Like why would I talk about my, I've got my opinions, don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to s- start talking about fucking Brexit when I just open yeah. myself up. To, well, everyone else is on Facebook. Well, that's what I mean, but we don't really <laughs> know what's going on. Um, people act like they do, and that's why I choose to stay away, from, stay away from So it. what sucked you into that? Because I think people will be able to relate to being sucked into social media in any capacity, whether that's LinkedIn work stuff, whether that's 
since I set up the accounts for this, uh, for the for the podcast, I find myself now not just looking at that stuff, but now perusing Facebook at times that um, I would never even look at it. How, what do you do to stop yourself from getting dragged into that? Well, I leave my phone downstairs at 8 o'clock every night. And you have a WhatsApp, your message on yeah, WhatsApp, yeah. isn't it? Your... sets the expectation. My phone goes off at 8, or at least on aeroplane mode. Leave it downstairs. And just switch off and just take a break from yeah. all of those. Watch telly in bed or just... downstairs. But the phone will be on aeroplane mode at 8 o'clock. I think that's good advice for anyone because the, the social media break, you know, Nothing good happens on social media after 8 o'clock. And it's going to be there the next day ready for you anyway, isn't it, when you wake up? Um, But I started, like, veering into this stuff. It was because I'm trying to build a business. But what I was doing was getting, getting, like, involved in not even, like, that much, really. But for me, it was a lot, like, handbags and sniping back at people when I would just normally give them a like to wind them up. Um, broke your own golden rules yeah I broke my own rules and you have to like it takes that sometimes to reflect on it but the video stuff came from um, that was fear you know it took me a long time to get in front of the camera but I wouldn't do it I wouldn't do anything on LinkedIn unless the market like dictate like if, it, if the market didn't dictate that's what you've got to do to get yourself out there I wouldn't bother but the market doesn't I think Gary Vee says it a lot the market doesn't care whether I like it or not it needs to be done if I want to build a business. And one yeah. of the ways to do that is to show people what you're really like. And the only way to do that really is either through a podcast or the, the, the video. Yeah. Um, you've then moved, like you've set up every day, Agile, yeah. as a whole entire company. You're yeah. building that constantly. What's right. what's next for the business? Um, to be oversubscribed, to have more work than I can say yes to which will enable me to bring more people to bring in. more people in. But it's an interest, like, we could do a whole podcast on the state of the market. We won't go into that today. But it's an interesting time for contractors and small businesses. What What was your motivation to, to set that up? Like, some people don't yeah. want to work for someone else. To... I can tell you the, the exact triggering moment. I was in a place, I haven't been there that long, but I got wind of this thing. Someone had been sent on a course and if they left within a year, they had to pay it back. And I was like, fair enough, if that's what your... your Corporate your, policy is Yeah, but I thought, nah. You're not having any of if that. If I want to go on a course, I want to do it when I want. And I'm, But the only way, I, I was like, come on then, do it. <laughs> like, if, you're given, if you want this control, you have, you're going to have to go and get you're it. You're going to have to get it. And the, the lad who was on last week, for exactly the same reason just did not want somebody else to be in control of the things that he could deliver. So he just went out and did it himself. I think that's amazing when people get a grip of something and take complete ownership of it themselves and just say, I'll do it myself. Yeah, I think um, my actions needed to match what, what I wanted to go on up in my head. So, we, um, yeah, again, there was fear in that. But So what, what sacrifices have you had to make along that route? For Have you had to make any sacrifices to, to start building that? Um, no, it's the only. I'm not going to try and like get the violin out. No, not really. Um, I put set like I, like I said. I put set things in place for posting. I don't live it. Yeah, all you know, day to day life is exactly the same. I put more work in. Don't really, but I, I didn't 
I say switch off. I'm constantly thinking about it. But if, even if I was a permanent employee, I'd be... You'd still be thinking be about still, it. I probably wouldn't be posting as openly on LinkedIn because I'd be in front of HR all the time. Yeah. Because um, it'd be very obvious what I was talking about. But I think when you enjoy something, I don't think there's anything unhealthy about it. You need to switch off, but I don't think there's anything unhealthy about being passionate about it. Yeah, I was, I was listening to something the other week and I mentioned it on another one about balance and how yeah. does balance even exist because it does for the individual doesn't it i think once i run well, i try and run to and from work at the moment that clears my head i get get rid of any cobwebs i come up with a lot of content on the run home i think like balance like i don't think you should listen to anyone really apart from yourself well, find a routine been, that works for you. Is it is it an expectation though that people are trying to find this balance? And I don't know if it exists, yeah, but, but they're finding when, it. They're trying to find it through other people, and they need to look inwardly and go. So they're looking yeah. for work life balance. Yeah. They're looking for, I don't know, physical balance, enough gym sessions a yeah, week. Yeah. You know, all of these balancing things. I just like I, I agree with what your statement was. If you're enjoying something and you're passionate about something. And it's balance, not harming anyone. The balance doesn't really exist because you just throw yourself at it and just keep doing it. If they only said, like, come on. Well, she has done. She's like, Let, let's have, like, phones off Friday. Um, I, You know, I'll go, yeah, fair enough. And I will, like I said, if I don't want to post, I'm not bothered about, like, the algorithm of posting between this time and that. If I've got something to say, just I'll, I'll just do there. it. And then if... I think that's been the, the whole point of this podcast was to meet people who inspire me and that has been the message that you have sent from the minute we met I say the minute we met because I sent you to the wrong hotel first. So, though, so we didn't meet straight away yeah. we kind of had a lot of conversation over the phone while you was running across Birmingham with your rucksack but the, the, the whole message of this entire podcast and why I wanted you to get on is start now start before you're ready just get out there and start doing something and just see what lands and then just, just change it if it doesn't like it's very like it's very um what's the word everyone's saying it like, it's very easy for me to say that because that's the way I think and not everyone thinks like that and that's fine that's you know everyone needs to be different but yeah no one really cares about what you're doing <laughs> so just you might as well you've got, just nothing, do it. To lose. You've got nothing to lose yeah really. well this is the whole point nothing to lose just crack on I just want to wrap up with a few bits of advice for people yeah. so you've obviously got a few different audiences you're appealing to what what advice have you got for those service leavers that are out there because i think again we talked about saturated markets before that is a market that is absolutely flooded with content do this do that yeah. just some simple advice and it's not to buy your book, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do that though. Yeah. But um, keep your family in the loop. Definitely communicate with them. Take their thoughts on board because they might have something that you might not have thought of. In my experience, or tell them full stop, which is what I didn't do. Well, yeah, well, yeah. But definitely keep them in the loop. Um, if you can try and, although we, you're probably going to need to be specific and niche at some point, you know, dip your toe into certain things that you may not have thought you liked before. Um, but just get get the basics right, um, especially on LinkedIn. Don't put like Jack Ginge Hughes 
on your LinkedIn profile because straight away it's just a turn off. The Facebook, the, the police are there, aren't they? The yeah. LinkedIn police are looking at it as a as a professional platform. And the recruiters as well. That's who yeah. you're, you know, you know, you're trying to get to. And I think just the biggest thing is to start sharing your experience through content, but matching it to what you want to do. So um, five things I learned as a leader during my time in the Royal Signals that translates into project management. And just start sharing that. Just like, you need people are not going to order what's not on the menu. So you need to show people what's on the menu. And Because when, when you're in a restaurant and you order something that's not on the menu, it pisses them off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So any other advice for people leaving? Um, any, I'm trying to think of something different. Everyone goes on about networking. Um, search for the jobs that you want on LinkedIn, and sometimes it shows the recruiter. Connect with the recruiter. Start that relationship early on yeah i think we mentioned in the the one we did together about building a network and getting that recruiter on your side and start sharing that information with them don't worry too much about what your mates are saying you can't control that you're going to get the piss taken out of you you get the certain people will tell you there's nothing out there and the grass isn't greener it may not be but if you don't take that leap you're not going to know the alternative um so just try and be your own person in all of these things that you've done from the military career civilian life podcasts writing books there's a fair old list there mate what's the best advice you've been given best advice i've been given my friend told me once that as long as you can look as long as you can be at home on a wednesday evening watching shit telly and look around you and think you're all right. That's what that's what contentment is. That's contentment. And as long as you can be happy with that in your little bubble, nothing else really matters. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? What in general? Just in general, yeah. I remember worst advice. Um, someone told me once. I was like I said before, I was all right at running. Did a 400 meter race once, Welsh Championships. Someone told me, just I'd never done 400 metres before. It's a lick out, isn't it? It's horrible. Someone told me, just uh, just sprint the first just 200 metres. Sprint. <laughs> sprint the first 200 metres and adrenaline will carry you the rest of the way. Good advice, yeah. I think all of the top 400 <laughs> metre runners in the world are yeah, doing that. I came last and it didn't work. That was the worst advice anyone's ever given me. And dye my hair. I did that once. That didn't go down very well. What colour did you dye? Well, it was supposed to be brown, but it went like purpley. Like, <laughs> you got any pictures? Not on me, no. We need to show no, some they're, of that. They're, they're out there. But, um. Listen, mate, I just want to say thank you for having you on. You've been in Southend, which is um, I'm really grateful for, for, for being down here. You're working oh, with thank us. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, working with some of the teams from, from my my company, doing, doing some scrum stuff, introducing that. Um, I want to say thank you on a personal level, not just for agreeing to the podcast, but for giving me the advice that got me started on this journey and that's why it was important to get you here um so you're you know from an inspiration perspective i just massive thank you because that leap of faith was was sealed when you said just crack on mate and do it <laughs> <laughs> the best advice i'm not start, that much of a bastard the um, best advice in starting a podcast no, just yeah. do it thank you very much uh, can we finish with you saying that born in the name 
that statement, please. I was born in North Wales, but I was made in the Royal Navy. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank Cheers, you very mate. much. Cheers.